just a regular guy and you forgot to take your trash out and uh, you have a very small trash bin but a very big recycle bin uh, if you're and again completely hypothetical you're taking your trash full of cat litter pizza boxes <laughs> and uh, thrown away apple cores and you're putting it in the recycle bin they can't really look through your recycle bin to find out that you're doing that kid. I mean for this hypothetical person first I should give my disclaimer <laughs> Nothing heard on this show is legal advice. <laughs> and we are not creating an attorney-client relationship. Isn't that the point of the segment? This is the do you want your, Seattle you want your money back? legal advice. Yeah. Uh. Um, so Washington State has a more protective constitution than the federal constitution. So federally, someone's trash is considered something that they have no more privacy interest in. And so the federal police or in other states, they can look through your trash. But in Washington State, we have decided that trash maintains a private. We maintain a privacy interest in our trash. But there's also an exception for something that's in plain view. So use dark colored trash bags, and then I don't think that they could get you. But you probably are looking more at like a municipal ticket mm-hmm. versus like a criminal act. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're here getting legal advice from our personal attorney. Uh, legal, actionable legal advice <laughs> yeah. that everybody should listen to. Um, uh, <laughs> my, my question uh, has to do with maritime law. And, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I, I have some concerns regarding salvage rights. <laughs> <laughs> of a um, certain wakeboard that might be underwater. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, is, is that an area of expertise of yours? So at my law school, there was one professor who taught maritime law, and he had an eye patch. <laughs> what? No! <laughs> no! That's not true! <laughs> oh I swear God. to God. Oh, so I perfect. was terrified of him and never took maritime law. Oh, um, did he have? But I would say finders keepers probably applies. <laughs> okay. Ooh, <laughs> finders versus keepers, losers versus weavers. Um, so the state versus keepers. So, yeah. so again, <laughs> in, again in a complete hypothetical, um, say somebody has a internet radio show where they might suggest that listeners or fans of the band The Doors should be beaten to death with rocks or that uh, Vietnam veterans who are not appropriately sad about what they did should have their walkers kicked out from under them. Uh, Could I, or I mean that person, have uh, crossed any legal lines? Interesting free speech question. Uh, (laughs) Hypothetical free speech question. Nobody looked at it. I would say you're probably safe. I guess that, back to HBO plugging. (laughs) There's a documentary about Michelle Carter, who is a 17-year-old girl who's now like 25, um, or 23 maybe. But she texted her 18-year-old boyfriend to kill himself. Oh, yeah. And he did... And then she got charged with involuntary manslaughter, and then that conviction was upheld in her state. Should um, you? So yeah, be held liable for just being charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> Who's charismatic in that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds like a defense of um, Jim Morrison, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah or no. Ted Bundy. <laughs> it all comes back to those two. <laughs> Were they ever in the same room together? How do we know they're the same person? Ooh. Um, 
I'm gonna. I'm willing to bet that <laughs> they were. In they the were in the were. same room, <laughs> yeah. like at like a, at a bumper shoot. concert in yeah, exactly. at, like on campus or something. I think Bundy yeah. was too much of a square. He was a Republican. He was I like mean, a Republican off, ghoul before for, it, it was is cool. An absolute fact. Jim Morrison would have voted for Trump if he were still alive. Like <laughs> absolute fact, oh. he would be a Reagan Republican. Okay. Yeah, totally, right. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. would be. You know, outside of well, even including the thirteen-year-old brides, he would be the modern Ted Nugent. Like Ted Nugent would have to get another gimmick because Jim would have taken it. But sorry, Sweet. James Morrison would have taken it. Sweet, <laughs> cool. So now that we have all of our legal quandaries out of the way, taken uh, care of by our personal attorney, follow all that advice <laughs> <laughs> on retainer. Um, we just drag her behind the boat. <laughs> and a floaty until we need legal advice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so welcome back. It's called the the legal dinghy. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to Seattle Sucks, a podcast about hating the city we love. Um, it's me. It's me, Colin. Hi, Colin. I'm back. <laughs> I'm on the boat. Down I'm, from the crow's nest. <laughs> down from the crow's nest. Uh, returned up from the Bleden Lair. I'm here with Greg and Brian, co-hosts co-captains each and a special guest code name tanya that's yeah. right that's right that's right it's my code name oh yeah. welcome to the boat <laughs> welcome to the beautiful yacht uh glad to be here yeah hopefully the people partying up top did not you know present too much of an obstacle the music isn't too loud for you or anything like that you're a you're an attorney so no doubt you're uh accustomed to opulent surroundings such as this mm-hmm. It's true. I have many boats. <laughs> yeah, is being an attorney like being um, the uh, Benicio del Toro character in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I think we've learned that it's not like being the Benicio del Toro character in Inherent Vice, yeah. since we've learned that Codename Tanya uh, knows nothing about maritime law. Uh, damn. That's true. Yeah. Sorry but for letting you down. But I have both it... my eyes, so I can't practice. The fact he has one eye. Well, I don't know I what's mean... underneath the patch, but I assume nothing. Ooh. <laughs> oh my god. That's where that he keeps rules. his change, his bus fare. Oh no. <laughs> That's where you can his, keep your quarters. His hook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're very glad you're here at Codename Tanya. It's very rare to have someone with a code name on the boat and a Tanya, so we're very happy to have you. Yeah, very uh, rare to have somebody who knows anything about anything. That's where I thought you were going with that. Well, that too. Um, so, uh, I think we, I mean, we don't know many lawyers, so, and we're very dumb. <laughs> You're just married to one. As we've established multiple times, allegedly <laughs> married to one. <laughs> That's an important um, word in my profession. It depends. She, she, my, no, I'm just yeah. She is advised me to remain joke. silent on this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Can I do that? Uh, I think... What's we, her code name on this podcast? <laughs> code name Wifey. I don't know. <laughs> um, we wanted to just kind of do the criminal justice for dummies, which was like how an alleged criminal becomes a inmate. Maybe. Um, Do you think you could kind of walk us through that that journey? Sure. (laughs) So I guess it starts one of two ways I can think of at least. One is when a officer or some other law enforcement 
sees someone doing something like either as a result of like someone calling 911 and reporting a crime in in progress or uh, they stop someone for the way they're driving and it turns into a DUI or something like that Um, or someone could make a police report which then gets I guess investigated by a police department and then charges get forwarded to the prosecutor's office Um, In the first scenario where the officer sees something happening, um, they usually would arrest the person. In Washington, we have a mandatory domestic violence arrest law. Basically, if the police are called to a domestic dispute, someone's leaving in handcuffs. Um, And those are, that's one of the many kind of good intention, but poor execution Mm. laws that we have here that were well that would be the law that led to the adley shepherd episode right where he had responded domestic violence call apparent reportedly from actually both sides did a little any mini miny mo on the two Mm. people Mm -hmm. put the woman in handcuffs back of the car and then broke her eye socket right and you know that's led to this sort of falling out with the judge and the consent decree <laughs> as of late, right? That old thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically he was obligated to send somebody home in handcuffs, hence the, I guess, uh, game of chance. And he was so, you yeah. know, committed to his job that all cops are very passionate about, like, doing to the best <laughs> yeah. of their ability, as they keep trying to remind us that um, he that he relied on his training in that instance, mm-hmm. which is usually impeccable. <laughs> yeah, and it, I, and it was progressive, I guess, that he arrested the woman. He's like, you know, they can commit domestic violence. Too, also, so, that right? shattered her face yeah, right. bone. Yeah, well, he was like, women can get hit by men too. Like, I believe in equal. <laughs> equal There's no double standards here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. I guess in that sense, progressive department. That rules. So a police officer sees you, right? So say uh, you know I'm walking down the road. A police officer sees me and uh, you know alleges that I've com- that he's seen me well, commit some crime. Well, right? let's well let's back up. I mean the first inst- the first thing that happens to start this chain of events is that this hypothetical person definitely commits a crime, right? Because well, <laughs> they wouldn't have been arrested if they didn't. That's yeah. what I mean. That, yeah, is, yeah. The that is the first step, right? That you <laughs> a crime arrested. is committed. <laughs> so, you know, I walk into the road, a police officer sees me, and he alleges I have committed, uh, you know, some sort of violation, right? We won't worry too much about whether I did or not, right? But he's not the one who's going to press charges, right? He's just going to either write up a report or take me in right in that moment, if need be, for booking, right? Yeah. Um, but actually, Seattle Municipal Court, which is the world's worst court, um, <laughs> where I don't practice, luckily. But that's one of the few places where officers can actually file charges. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wonderful. Usually that's wow. reserved for They're people with law degrees so. yeah, yeah. who know what laws are yeah um, uh, so how uncommon yeah. is this um hopefully very uncommon Jesus. it's the only court i know of where the where the police officers file the chart can file charges also the city attorney can file charges but um but it leads to a lot of... of like kind of screwy cases getting filed as you might imagine yeah, yeah. but sometimes so seattle municipal court deals only with misdemeanors under the seattle city code um, but sometimes the police could file charges incorrectly and it could actually be a more serious crime. Like it could actually be the behavior that they're describing could actually be a felony, but they file it into Seattle municipal court. And so a savvy public defender or whoever 
um, could like plead guilty to this misdemeanor in Seattle yeah. Municipal Court and effectively block the prosecution of the more serious crime as a result of the yeah. officer's stupidity or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then also sometimes they file charges that are not actually crimes, like they don't meet the elements, and yeah. then a savvy defense Wait, that, attorney that can... throws my theory out the window. <laughs> that, 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 they... that this must begin with a crime yeah. like a real crime that matters yeah. well that's one of the kind of conundrums that people find themselves in is when you don't like someone's behavior but it's not actually illegal how do we criminalize <laughs> well, that behavior what do we do? how do we get them in prison I yeah. think we like in this city we the vibe is definitely just call the cops immediately like that's... that never goes wrong so. yeah yeah, that's... yeah. Well, it never goes wrong, and there's definitely no way to resolve any issue in society beyond without uh, a mediator with a gun. Yeah, without yeah. a yeah, two hundred highly intelligent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, well, <laughs> right, meathead. Well, no, but that's gun. the thing is like in this city, this notoriously fucking passive city, totally incapable of confrontation. The these meathead cops are actually better equipped. They've had training to deal with like <laughs> you know which no one else has you know how to like uh have a human react to, react to yeah, and yeah, yeah. react to anything like out of uh, the ordinary or disturbing to them yeah i forgot that's one of the reasons that jenny durkin wants the uh federal court to find the city in like compliance is that we're too good yeah, like, we've done too good of a job, and it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, we're setting yeah. the bar too high for other departments. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so. literally part of the argument. Apparently, yeah, yeah it's no, a really yeah, yeah. stupid like, argument we, because we have like... a really bad. <laughs> yeah, how many? what's stupid about here? that is like you're comparing SPD to other American police departments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, like when compared to the LAPD, it's like well, shit. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the like weak uh reforms they've managed to like get through the union contract yeah. uh set a national standard and like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is more a comment how bad the national yeah, exactly. scene is than anything else so you know let's we'll we'll set aside for a moment the yeah we'll uh, have to get back to the consent decree shit awful reality that seattle police officers can file charges jesus I mean, that, yeah. that is, then, that is, so we have already learned something big that like, is awful um so we'll set that just aside right uh, because like, i've never seen I, that in any fucking cop show we will spend the next hour and a half talking about that if we keep going that right so let's just say in a regular in a normal city with normal regulations right uh police officer arrests you they're gonna file a report, and then you your next step is what arraignment. Um, so you have a first appearance hearing if you are held in jail. The police officer who arrests you writes up something called a probable cause statement. Probable cause is a legal standard that basically allows a judge to hold someone in jail if they find probable cause that a crime has been committed. Probable cause is a low standard; it's mostly more likely than not. Um, like 51% to 49%. Mm -hmm. It's a very low bar. Um, but they have to, they do have to show that like all the elements of a crime have been met or else they can't find probable cause. So Uh. a a supposed crime has to exist. (laughs) Right. But the, they have to allege a crime. You can hold someone (laughs) in jail for, you don't see a judge for 48 hours. That's Mm -hmm. the, um, the maximum amount of time you can be in jail before you see a judge at that time. Oh, just 48 hours. Well, yeah. that's when your first appearance happens. 
and a judge has to either find that there's probable cause and then at that point they can set bail, they could set release conditions, um, or they could not find probable cause and then they cannot set bail and they cannot set release conditions. If they do find probable cause, then you, um, they can hold you for another 72 hours while the police or prosecutors and police make a filing decision to either charge you or release you. Mm -hmm. Well, this, well, I'd like to charge you later. Yeah. Just to try and keep like a larger view on this stuff. Like I, I think you, it's actually fucked up that our, our criminal justice system is so sort of mechanized and industrialized and so huge that we accept as just normal and obvious that you could be put in jail based on probable cause testimony of one Mm -hmm. cop for 48 fucking hours and then just on that alone like that in a in any kind of just system Mm -hmm. you'd have to like be driven from where you were arrested to a judge who's going to uh assess that immediately like is this cop out of his fucking gourd or what and then and even then like holding someone who has not been convicted of a crime you're saying you're putting someone in in yeah. prison who's not been convicted of a crime you know well yeah and you if you think about what would happen to you if yeah. you were put out of contact with your life for 48 hours mm-hmm. um would you keep your job what if you had a job that was like you have to show up at a certain time or you just get let go what if you had a what job you that had you a- had to have an excuse for missing that much work that isn't I got Being arrested. arrested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if your rent was due? What if your car is parked in a place where it might get towed? What if you have a fucking family, like yeah, kids? Right. What and if shit? you're yeah. and then you yeah? So you can imagine that getting arrested for even just two days uh, could ruin your life. But e- even say they do find probable cause, um, your next step is your arraignment after your after that seventy two hour um, window where they charge you, decide whether or not they're going to charge you directly or f- file charges mm-hmm. later, um, and that doesn't have to be until. 14 days after that initial um, filing decision. So it has to be 14 days of them filing charges. So if we're counting, there's like the 48 hours, that's like two days. And then there's the additional 72 hours, which I guess is three days. Is that math correct? Sure. And then add that to 14 days. So they have like 19 days basically before your arraignment. And your arraignment is um, another chance where you can ask for your release. But if you were denied release at that first appearance, that first 48-hour window, um, and you don't have any, like, real chance at... I mean, you're, you basically meet a public defender that day. If you are lucky, then you have a judge who's in okay mood and lets you out. But if the judge is just like, I'll keep you in jail. Yeah. Which, I mean, two days, you could be like, ah, oh, maybe work doesn't care. But once we're talking... Like multiple 19 weeks. days uh well i mean so you know it's too bad that the like genius framers of our constitution like didn't foresee any kind of problem like that <laughs> well it's weird <laughs> I, it's almost like that experience keeping people in bondage so the interesting thing is that and i and this is the part of the show where uh we'll put a little time stamp in here i want all the fine members of SPD that listen to our show, just pause it, you know, skip ahead a little bit, all right? Trigger you know, warning. Yeah, trigger warning. I don't want to put any thoughts into their heads about their pure motives well, and intentions. Trigger warning in this instance but, could be misconstrued as a threat no, of violence. Yeah, okay. <laughs> get get those guns. Yeah, get a hold of those guns. We're ready for a trigger warning. No, uh, so say, and this is, again, just a complete hypothetical, 
uh, you have a situation where there's somebody who maybe presents like a slight nuisance, right? Maybe you're a business owner who has a homeless person right outside your business who is uh, maybe has a mental illness issue and is yelling at the birds or at the sky or whatever. And you uh, are calling the police over and over again with increasingly insane stories. Uh, you're, I mean, in a situation where people, you know, took advantage of such a system, I mean, you could use this sort of multi-week imprisonment as a way to just take people off the street for a few weeks at a time without having to worry about little things like actually having real crimes or, you know, having to worry about it being tried or anything like that, right? You know, you could just disappear them for a little bit. Definitely sounds like you could. Um, luckily, I guess, or if it's followed, but um, our state, we have a release presumption in our for our bail. Mm-hmm. So a judge is supposed to release someone unless it's a capital case, which we no longer have in Washington, um, or they find that someone is either likely to commit a violent crime, not just like any crime, but a violent crime, mm-hmm. um, interfere with the administration of justice, meaning that they're going to like threaten the person who made the police report or whatever, um, or fail to appear. So those are the factors that the mm-hmm. judge is supposed to look at, and they're supposed to set the least um, restrictive means mm-hmm. when releasing someone. But it can take a long time to get before a judge. There's certain judges who, mm-hmm. I'm sure, let out a lot fewer people than other judges. Sure. Um, and judges also, who maybe call uh, news groups <laughs> down to their to uh, have, create a so that they can audience have a fucking scene. So, uh, uh, welcome back, SPD listeners. Um, so you have the arraignment, right? So at the arraignment, this is where you're going to get your first inkling that maybe charges are being pressed against you, right? Well, the charges were supposed to have been filed um, within that 72 hours mm-hmm. after the probable cause, or after the, yeah. After when the would you hear it, though, as the person in um, jail? I think they probably, that's a good question. Um, I guess they must tell people that... Mm-hmm. charges are being filed although your arraignment is where you formally are read the charges yeah. and you get a copy of what's called the information which is a list of the charges against you <laughs> the um, information you enter <laughs> <laughs> you enter a plea of not guilty in some mm-hmm. various situations you would plead guilty if the if there's like a mistake in the charging mm-hmm. or if you kind of knew something that they didn't know that it could get way worse yeah certain yeah pleas could block other more serious charges coming um, but most of the time you plead not guilty and then you get a court date a couple weeks later usually like two weeks later and you also get a shot at a bail argument or you can reserve on the bail argument if you want to get more pieces in place yeah so at what point does the prosecutor uh start bargaining with you <laughs> um so they can i have negotiated with prosecutors before arraignment um on kind of chippier cases um you can sometimes get the prosecutors to like agree to release if you negotiate. Um, but it starts pretty much as soon as charges are filed, the more serious crimes are way slower. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can imagine, there need, there needs to be more like mitigation and investigation done, mm-hmm. but essentially things can start resolving really quick, especially if you're like in misdemeanor land and you're you're denied a reasonable bail um you're gonna want to plead guilty real soon or else you're just gonna sit there waiting for your trial 
which is supposed to happen within 60 days. If you're in custody, that's 60 days from your arraignment. Yeah. Um, so that's, again, adding well, to our 19-day. Yeah, and rent payments come in 90-day cycles, so it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so... Well, wait, but you're not going to be home, so it's... Are you really accruing rent during that period? <laughs> yeah, you just pause it, right? <laughs> so, that's your one phone call? <laughs> yeah, it's to your landlord. To, to suggest that he sublets your apartment for the next three months? <laughs> God. Yeah, that's bleak. Um, so, so yeah, so um, there is this odd sort of uh, thing about the American criminal justice system in that you know we're told in civics class, right, that we're guaranteed a trial by our peers, right? But in a reasonable time, in a yeah, in a reasonable speedy time. time. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah which, speedy. Well, yeah. I, you know what? As we learned from uh, busing and school integration, uh, with all deliberate speed can mean anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the key. All deliberate speed. What was their yeah. deliberate intention? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, as you know, like speed has means something different for Keanu Reeves than it does for regular people. Okay, so. There could be a five mile per hour speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That that six miles an hour is speeding then. Yeah. Um, so it does, the Constitution does say the trial should be speedy, like you know. No, the trial is just very quick, like <laughs> yeah. straight to the noose. Like, yeah. but uh, but yeah. So like you know, we have this belief, right? That uh, we, we're told in civics class we have a right to a trial by our peers, right? Um, but in reality, uh, most cases aren't resolved by trial, are they? That's true. Uh, something like nationally, like ninety-seven percent of cases resolve with plea deals. I think King County might be slightly lower, but probably close to the in the yeah. 90s still. So, that, so literally all trials are <laughs> all all cases are not solved by trial essentially, yes. like, other than the rarest of cases involving uh, millionaire pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'd say that well-funded public defender offices result in more trials. Yeah, if you feel like you have more control over your cases you can step one cut funding to the public <laughs> office. Yeah. well and also there's kind of a um a school of thought among public defenders or other criminal justice people that if everyone set their case for trial we would break the system and that would be a way to mm-hmm. do that um but it also when people are in jail it's very hard to tell them what to do because it's also setting for trial or accepting a plea deal that's always the person who's in trouble's choice it's not um, ever the attorney's choice although you give them your advice um also a lot of people do like want to plead guilty Mm -hmm. um a lot of people are i did this what do i do to make it right um that's a pretty common attitude Uh, i feel like that can't be true because i've heard that criminals (laughs) are inherently awful people who uh are are made of pure evil and puppy dog tails and chemical x yeah, <laughs> and fentanyl. Um, yeah, but a lot of people do want to plead guilty, especially if they can work out a resolution that doesn't involve them going to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Sounds also like jail a lot. is bad. People don't like it. But I've Although, heard that there is television in jail and three square meals and, and a bed. I heard squares. a lot of people say that. A lot of time to read and work out. So <laughs> yeah, it, achieve your dream body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, swimsuit oh, season. Man, I'm going to be out in the yard every day. <laughs> um, I know. The number one problem that a lot of us face, uh, especially after New Year's, is no time to get to the gym. And <laughs> here you go. Solve your problems. There was a. I mean, this is just like a sort of funny side story. There was this uh, math uh, graduate student, I think, at Caltech. 
is it somewhere in the uc kind of orbit i think caltech but uh he as a graduate student apparently lost his mind and he uh did in his his advisor kept fucking him essentially and so he uh took a hammer to the backside of his advisor's head while he was in his office one day and he apparently completed his dissertation in jail and had the comment of that he was now a graduate of a distinguished state institution (laughs) 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 which is kind of a funny story but anyways (laughs) so we have this you know, idea or this fact that we all know, right? That is, um, that the criminal justice system, as we've described it up to this point, is just hopelessly leveraged towards the defendant who has all the real rights in the case. And the police and prosecutors really have no, they're held back and have no real power over them because the defendants are just too powerful, which is why, uh, there's just too many rules. Yeah. And nobody's ever gone to jail in Seattle for at least 10 years. So, um, defend yourself. <laughs> Prove you wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Yes, exactly. Uh, Change Brian's mind. Yeah, I want to be one of those nerds that sits at the table at the college or whatever that's like, yeah, that proved me wrong oh, or changed my mind. Yeah. Stop pretending you're not. Yeah, I'm also going to be wearing a diaper and uh, holding a machine gun. TPUSA. It's a beautiful yeah. image. Yeah. Um, well, that little thing, the Constitution, is applies to defendants' rights. And state always says that they have the right to a fair trial, but I haven't ever seen that like in writing at the Constitution. So I don't know where they get that idea, but I guess it makes sense that everyone should have a fair shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just, if you think about how just the day-to-day, how any of that works, I think that they would prove that wrong. Um, as we talked about earlier, the prosecutors are the one filing charges. Um, judges are the ones making decisions about people's liberty in the pre-trial stage and post-trial stage for the most part. Um, the real rights that someone would have as an accused are like the right to a lawyer, the right to a trial. Um, one, you have a subpoena power. That's pretty cool. Meaning you can like get information or get people to appear um, with threat of contempt. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, that's kind of why there's this whole movement towards progressive prosecutors because people have realized that the prosecutor's office holds an immense power mm. and that's actually where the power lies in the system. Yeah, we, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, right? In the sense that they can hold you in jail for like a fairly long time, like enough to really fuck your life up, right? And if you are being held for a fairly minor offense or whatever, at least if the prosecutor you know, offers you a minor offense to plead guilty to, uh, it's win-win and that they get to put a little notch on the belt. Um, you know, you get to uh, have now a crime on your record that you might or might not have to report. <laughs> and uh, you get to go home and probably lost your job anyways. But I guess, you know, you can start looking for the next one a little early before the rent check shows up. And you'll have that really great resume addition. Yeah. Convicted. Exactly, right? So <laughs> in that sense, the defendant really is doing great. And, uh, <laughs> fine. But even in that um, situation, the prosecutor is one who extends the offer. Um mm-hmm. A lot of my clients are always like, well, why do they want me to do this? I'm like, I don't know. It's not my <laughs> not my offer. Well, and prosecutors really are very much uh, invested in finding out the truth <laughs> and uh, doing the morally and ethically right thing. Is that correct? Well, so the rules of professional conduct say that prosecutors are ministers of justice and that they have an obligation to do justice. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't really seem to have much 
to do with their actual day to day. Controversial words. Well, um, like, it's subjective, right? I mean, I think the idea, the fact that the progressive prosecutor, like these, this new sort of small wave of, um, of like you know, uh, restorative justice oriented prosecutors is. The fact that that is like a notable thing should tell you that what we've had over the last several decades anyway, where the prosecutor, like since the mid-century, has gained so much power in America, is exclusively pretty much prosecutors' offices that whose interpretation of justice is uh, extremely punitive, conservative, and fucking like hardcore man absolutely and also i mean in seattle right or king county we have dan satterberg who is heralded as a progressive prosecutor but he is <laughs> he was a republican until last election cycle yeah. um he's extremely hard on property crimes and up until recently extremely hard on drug crimes and is still extremely hard on drug crimes unless they're extremely low level mm. in which case he'll cut people a break if it within his discretion so yeah. if he wants to cut people a break now he will which i guess before he wouldn't yeah. um so that's cool but i mean yeah. yeah i mean this is the prosecutors run on tough on crime platforms they're yeah, I mean, prosecutors are inherently always running for office, right? I mean, they're politicians and... And the, unopposed in King County, yeah, for the yeah. most part. I mean, Darren Morris, mm-hmm. rest in peace, had a... He challenged Dan Satterberg, but other than that... Did um, Dan Satterberg kill him? Uh, he, unfortunately... <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> committed suicide. Oh, <laughs> All right, we, we heard it here. Dan Satterberg has killed <laughs> this man. Probably, like, in some ways. I mean, he does... Mm-hmm enact a really violent horrible system that wears on a lot of people who yeah work in it and are impacted by it yeah and so and for the prosecutor right um so there's a lot of discretion at their hands right which is of course doled out very evenly and equitably right so uh if i'm somebody they might know from a golf club uh i will get the same treatment as you know, a homeless person, a black person from the Central District, whatever, right? Well, there's a good example of that. Um, A King County, I believe off-duty, hopefully, uh, sheriff officer, I think female, I'm not sure, um, was super, uh, yeah, I think she was a woman, but she's super belligerent, drunk, wasted. Women can do stuff too. (laughs) Equal opportunity right now. (laughs) Um, Super belligerent in an Uber. I think she like assaulted, attacked the Uber driver who wanted to Mm -hmm. press charges against her and then the prosecutor's office decided um, that they would not press charges because she had the really powerful defense of voluntary intoxication, um, (laughs) which is usually a defense that would elicit laughter Mm -hmm. um, if you were to raise it, but it's good enough for the sheriff's officers. Yeah, yeah. Most of my clients who are drug addicts and commit crimes when they are intoxicated do not have that The normal feel from the public, at least, is say I commit a crime because I am voluntarily high on meth, uh, is that it seems the, you know, what I get from the public discourse is that they want me to go to jail longer (laughs) because of that. Yeah, right. Unless Um, you are... Uh, officer. Unless you're a police officer, in which case uh, no that problem. defense makes yeah. total police. sense to them and they won't even charge the crime and let the jury decide. It's almost yeah. like there is no hypocrisy there that um, being tough... being honest. <laughs> right, no, that being tough on crime mm. is actually a smokescreen for getting rid of undesirable populations, that that's actually the purpose of our tough well, on crime, powerful 
prosecutor, more cops sort of rhetoric over the last well, many maybe decades, do... that it's really yeah. a kind of a new Jim Crow. Yeah, let's do a little catch up and maybe and we can get back into our sort of tale of whoa. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you get seen by a police officer doing a crime, right? Seen doing said crime because you don't have maybe a home to hide and do that. You don't have walls to do it behind. Uh, you get reported by neighbors because, you know, you uh, have an you live in an apartment complex where the neighbors are on the other side of the wall as opposed to in your very nice house and, you know, yeah. moral like, Let's be clear. Whatever. When Brian takes a shit in his house, it is absolutely a crime. <laughs> <laughs> well, you but know. no one can see him do it. Nobody said that there aren't uh, some valid calls being made to the police. <laughs> so anyways, so, you know, you're seen doing a crime, which in itself is already funneling a certain you know part of the population into the criminal justice system uh once you're there they can hold you for this sort of you know rather obscene length of time uh that depending on your economic state and whatever is going to make you more likely right to take a deal if you get leaned on by a prosecutor who's probably very well aware of this and is going to be more likely to lean on you because they know that you're going to take the deal, right? Which is seen almost probably as a bureaucratic efficiency for them, right? We're making the process work faster. Then if you manage to get past that stage, right, uh, you know, then you have to deal with, you know, okay, the difference between having a lawyer or not having a lawyer once charges are pressed, right? Uh, Which depending on the funding of the district you happen to live in, could be bleak you know for you right and uh so then we get to the uh the trial phase right so now we're in trial what's happening at this point well there's a long and probably neglected area in between called pre-trial and that is kind (laughs) of where all of my cases are that's where like Mm -hmm. the just slog is all the cases that are you're in like a negotiation phase and that can take a super long time. Um, I think for misdemeanors, the average is probably, I don't know, I'm just guessing like six months to resolve a misdemeanor case, maybe like four months. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're out of custody and for felonies, it can be, um, I've had cases that are over a year old that have been not resolved for various reasons. Sometimes on the defense side, you want to wait because maybe Mm -hmm. the victim will chill out. Um, or things might, they may just kind of lose their <laughs> anger at you uh, mm-hmm. like the prosecutor's office. Um, but once you set things for trial, um, you're still negotiating. A lot of times things are set for trial because you couldn't reach a deal originally. So you're putting some more pressure on and maybe trying to show that you have an argument for the jury. Mm-hmm. And so you could reach a deal anytime until the verdict comes basically like you can you can't keep negotiating like if a state's witness screws up their testimony you could be like all right will you reduce the charge to the Mm -hmm. prosecutor or something like that um you're supposed to get an attorney at arraignment is the latest time you're supposed to get one yeah but um the question is like the continuity of representation yeah it's important or should be important to have the same attorney uh for that whole process or at least as much as you can with people's just changing work cycles. But some places uh, there's like people who just do their arraignments and then you get assigned to like your permanent attorney later. And I think that all that makes a difference in terms of just, Mm -hmm. I mean, evidence like dissipates, right? So the sooner you have an attorney like working on your case, collecting evidence, asking for security footage, stuff like that, 
um, finding witnesses. A lot of my clients have witnesses who don't have like addresses or phones Mm -hmm. um, and they can kind of be either arrested on their own shit or leave the area or whatever. Um, It's important to start like doing that earlier, which is also kind of a problem with this whole negotiating and long pretrial stages that sometimes when you actually realize that you're gonna have to go to trial on a case it's like oh, i probably should have done all that upfront work <laughs> that i didn't think i'd have to do because i thought this was gonna resolve yeah yeah uh, well and um and again yeah so like you know defend depending on you know the funding and the district right your public defender could be working on your case and maybe a couple other cases or they could be working on an enormous stack of cases right yeah uh, in the case of uh you know which which could lead to like say having not like quality representation as we all learned from uh the documentary my cousin Vinny. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh so yeah so you know you have this investigative phase where your lawyer is hopefully rounding up uh witnesses to talk to and stuff uh but not with the same funding and uh oh, no. institutional support that the state has as they're doing the same right? i can actually attest to that uh i was an intern investigator at the defenders association in, mm-hmm. when, in college mm-hmm. and Da-da-da. so basically a lot of the investigative legwork was left to you know dipshits like me to go out <laughs> and conduct interviews and uh Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to so yeah, that yeah, just, just idiot intern college kids. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, yeah, we have like maybe ten investigators in my office spread across our office, whereas the prosecutor's office have the police force, and they yeah. also have their own investigators. <laughs> well, and their investigators are inherently uh, scarier when they show up at your house, right? So, like, and they have the power you know. to um, offer people immunity to testify mm-hmm. or to like snitch and yeah. they can you know reduce people's charges in exchange for testimony well, against they have someone. power in that situation period because mm-hmm. it's yeah. the state well right? something exactly well something strange is happening right now where you're telling us the story and what i'm hearing is maybe the defendant isn't so powerful in these situations <laughs> and maybe and i don't want to be alarmist here the game is a little bit rigged against them certainly can feel that way (laughs) but Um, if that were true we would just have this enormous out of control prison population that would be a sign that would be a sign so guys um if you could keep a lookout for that uh just you know keep your eye on it if it starts to get crazy you know we could reevaluate some stuff yeah slip into cullen's dms let him know we'll talk about on the show if it it ever gets weird (laughs) So there is this idea that in Seattle or in this region, right, um, nobody ever goes to jail for anything. Uh, in your experience, having watched the courtrooms where you are at, uh, does nobody go to jail for anything in the Puget Sound? Um, I would say the opposite. I spend a lot of my days in jail talking to my clients who, I guess, despite the odds, <laughs> find themselves. <laughs> it really just shows how guilty they are. In jail. Um, I mean, I do think that so there's we have different programs in Seattle area like there's the lead program law enforcement Mm -hmm. assisted diversion um, where they are trying to offer alternatives to putting someone in jail for committing a stupid low level crime but the reason Mm -hmm. that those programs exist is because the 
status quo is putting someone in jail for these two Buddha's crimes. Yeah, yeah. So when you were like, you know, looking at say a, a caseload at any you know municipal you know court or whatever, right, or any just random court, uh, the typical like case of somebody who's pleading guilty or being going to trial, or whatever, it's uh, murder, it's rape, it's <laughs> arson, right? I mean, when we hear about crime in the news. We know it's only the highest crimes that are that are happening, right? It's it's not other things. <laughs> so in the, this area, we have um, apparently there's a car theft epidemic, is the way that they put <sighs> it. Um, Pearls so firmly in hand. <laughs> there's a ton of cases filed against people for stealing cars. Um, interesting thing about it is that a lot of the cars people steal are old Honda Civics. Like Wait, hold on, no, hold on, actually, I'm starting to panic now. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> I've actually, you have actually just red-pilled me right now. <laughs> I am now a full-fledged safe Seattle I'm sorry freak. for hitting your close-to-home button, but <laughs> one thing I find amusing is that um, on the super form where the, this is where the cop does the probable cause statement, they usually have to list the dollar amount of the stolen property. Mm-hmm. So often I am working on cases where the person estimates the value of the stolen car to be $10,001. Like $1. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> or like $500. That's insult to injury. Your car gets stolen and somebody like the, the state is literally Shames telling you. you your shit sucks. Well, but if you, <laughs> but if you stole $500 for someone yeah, yeah. from someone, it would be a misdemeanor theft. Yeah. Um, the threshold between misdemeanor and felony is seven fifty. Is it mm-hmm. not? Um, is there? Not, is it not different for auto? Oh no, it is. But that's just kind of one of right, the right, ironies. Right. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that like you could? It would be way more lucrative, or and like easier just take to the money. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're just like stealing five hundred bucks every t- chance you could, you'd, you wouldn't even be a felon. Five hundred bucks to Vegas. <laughs> True. <laughs> I always am kind of puzzled by what people do in stolen cars. I guess the point is like to commit other crimes in them or yeah. have a place to chill. I think sometimes people just like joyride in them. Do um, people like the '92 uh, Civic? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, well, but I, that's because the it's easy those, to get into. Some of those '80s yeah, and '90s Japanese stolen. cars are very easy to steal. Well, that's why yeah. they are commonly yeah, and also people. Well, at least one of my coworkers um, just leaves her 92 Civic unlocked because she'd rather have it stolen than her window busted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I leave mine, I'm I'm leave mine unlocked. Uh, yeah, and I think this kind of gets to the point, too, of if you were to go on a site like Safe Seattle, you know, uh, and you were to point out something like this supposed crime epidemic is not crime, like people are thinking of murder or whatever, right? It's literally just the lowest level offenses. Like property uh, crimes, drug crimes. M- yeah. Murder of property. People call them yeah, quality exactly. of life crimes, <laughs> yeah, quali- which I yeah, think cool, is pretty cool. telling. Well, but it's like your, quality of life for who? Which, for, which, quality of, for your quality of life those, to be disturbed so. by those, it's got to be pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah. So, so you points, should probably shut the fuck up. Yeah, points out. how pointless it is. But yeah, um, and for that, like, you know, I think if you probably murder somebody that, you know, uh, maybe there's some things going wrong in your life at that moment. But for a lot of, like, quality of life crimes, uh, speaking, again, completely hypothetically, uh, a lot of that is just, like, youthful indiscretion. <laughs> like, I feel like it's not, like, uh, uh, it's not even really a gateway well, to other criminality. It literally is just, like, Well, a lot of what comes up in that... <laughs> yeah, or yeah. being That stuff now is related to... Yes, being intoxicated, I can attest. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of that stuff now, a lot of the reported stuff has to do with our... our unhoused mm-hmm. population right sure. or it does in the minds of the people reporting it anyway i mean so yeah. so it's also it's caused by serious problems happening in people's lives in society like you said people mm-hmm. don't have a place to do shit or to just be and so we find ways to criminalize mm-hmm. this though also we find ways to blame these people 
for all the other fucking crimes. So in yeah. in this this sort of right wing uh, viewpoint in the city, homelessness is constantly conflated with all the real you know crimes yeah, yeah, like yeah. violence and well like, you know just they, assume like these are yeah. the same things where one is the other is yeah. because these people are all criminals or or why would they have why wouldn't they be in houses which is yeah. uh, which honestly goes back to the original like concept the victorian concept of a criminal yeah. but that that's a different thing but um <laughs> but uh but did you guys see the but it's more than that too even the quality of life crimes mm-hmm. being that you think well okay this is really the sort of neighborhood disturbances supposedly that maybe our you know our homeless population is contributing to do you guys see that um erica barnett article that talking about how people are just fly tipping mm-hmm. their junk onto homeless encampments yeah, yeah. so that because and it makes total sense. It's like, oh, look, there's a little bit of junk there. It must be where I'm supposed to throw my fucking yeah. trash. And, you know, Americans and everyone in the world are notorious for fly tipping, even in the yeah. nicest neighborhoods. And um, so that's just these piles of trash are being blamed on mm-hmm. uh, the homeless. Yeah, well, I love that you said fly tipping as if we know what the fuck you're talking about. But yeah, it's illegal <laughs> yeah. dumping of trash. But yeah. Um, Which is actually a misdemeanor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, in that article, one of the big groups that they that she cited was uh, construction sites like illegally dumping the trash. And yeah. what people don't understand, they don't do construction, is that like getting rid of the waste on the construction site is actually really expensive. Huge. It's really yeah. expensive yeah. for a single family home. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, have yeah. the second smallest size trash yeah. can, which is like the size of like oh, a grocery hey, bag. Trust me, why do you think my trash ends up in the recycle? <laughs> it's That's so the same expensive. Thing. Yeah, it's fucking absolute trash. That. But, the, but the thing is, is that <laughs> yeah, absolute trash. trash. But I was doing. I saw so you. I used to when I was very young would work for this remodeling company in uh, Indiana and we had broken up all this uh, asphalt right around this property right because they were going to relay the parking lot and we threw it all in the back of this guy's truck and the boss gave us $60 to take it to the dump and dump it but it cost more than $60 to take it to the dump and dump plus gas and all that kind of stuff so me being a you know a uh uh, wet behind the ears. Do you ears. need to plead the fifth? Sixteen years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't know anything. As your lawyer, I'm getting nervous. What's the statute yeah. limitations so, on this? So we drove in None. Indiana, probably unlimited. Yeah, but, like uh, illegal dumping and murder are the only. I, I feel very comfortable about not going back to Indiana. But anyway, so so this guy. Incredible warrant. Yeah, this guy was older and a little wiser. He just drove a little bit into the country until we got to this creek. Stop the truck. We both look around. And he just starts grabbing the shit and throwing it in the creek. And he's like, well, come on. And I was like, are we not going to the dump? And he's like, no. Is this <laughs> <We're> <laughs> <at the dump. laughs> so we just threw it in the creek, right? This before global well, warming. You know what? Yeah, exactly. Luckily, the planet had no issues about pollution at the time. And, but and, you're thinking, thing that- and you're thinking to yourself, oh, we've pulled a fast one. We're going to pocket this $60. money. But what oh, well, you well, don't realize me, but- is, okay, yeah. what you don't realize is, that's actually what your boss was paying you to do, oh, 100%. rather than 100%. paying you what it costs to. Yeah. So uh, in the extremely yeah. stupid world of construction, like I, re- I read that article, I was like, oh, that makes absolute sense. This, in the thing is, in a city, it's a little harder to just dump things. But if you dump it next to, I don't know, a population that everybody fucking hates and is like a pariah, okay. uh, problem solved, right? Look, you know, uh, I, I've a. It's well known. I have a criminal mind. Um, immediately, I, I, broad daylight, broad daylight strategy. Okay, you pull up. You pull up to the encampment where there's already some junk in your junk truck. Mm-hmm. In your you trunk. take a look around. You start throwing stuff out. The second 
anyone rolls up that looks like they might cause a problem like you don't want to see you do this you just start throwing stuff back on oh sure and you're like yeah we're pick, we're pick, we're here to pick I, up all this trash and they go away and you you keep doing I what you're doing i would bet dollars the donuts if you pulled up in your truck and started throwing trash out the back of it into a homeless encampment a cop walked walked up and you kept throwing the trash in the homeless encampment he'd arrest the homeless people anyways <laughs> so uh, but this again unlawful attracting of trash basically yeah well, you just uh, that's, they yeah, listen that's right. i think yeah, that's un- unfair to cops i I are pretty sure say our listeners. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they would arrest you both. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends what I looked like when I was doing it, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, <laughs> so I mean, this gets to the good point too of just the very nature of the law itself, right? Um, I know whenever uh, reading books about the criminal justice system, there's a sort of like joke that kind of gets passed around that the true equality of the law is that it's equally illegal uh to sleep under a bridge whether you're homeless or rich right you know and that's the true equality right um to the but ex- the thing is is that i as a yuppie go camping sure <laughs> and enjoy well, by the way my on, time away from my house it's also canon on this podcast that people going camping do make a mess of the woods so it's true. yeah but, but i mean yeah. that's the thing is that like yeah. i feel like if there are a bunch of yuppies who are like i'm gonna sleep under the bridge and yeah. count the stars yeah, yeah. you know in that article we read about people shitting and littering in the woods, and no, and 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 uh, you know <laughs> the guy a making a massive stink of it, like uh. and just being totally offended. Nowhere in there did he suggest mandatory oh. minimum sentencing for these people. You know, he was just like, "What is to be done?" They we need, really let that know? slide on that. That and as uh, uh, codename Tanya as well uh, aware. We have a mutual friend who is responsible for at least a third of the public shitting in Seattle. <laughs> I don't even think I know. Oh, well, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> um, but uh, Red Beard? Yes. <laughs> My dog hates him. <laughs> That's why he keeps smelling his shit. There he is. Uh, so, uh, Gross. Um, anyway, so yeah, so the legal structure itself. So we talked about, you know, in the process of being arrested and eventually ended up in jail, right? There's these various uh, kind of sorting systems, right? That's going to sort for one type of person versus another. Uh, the guilty versus the not guilty. Right. <laughs> sort one type the of person. only distinction. Yep. And uh, But at the same time, just the very act of being arrested for reasons beyond just like, you know, you don't have four walls around you while you're doing something. Uh, you know, a lot of crimes are just criminalized behavior or poor people, right? So... If you're homeless, it's a crime to pee outside, right? But right. also, you have no bathroom, you know? And they closed all public restrooms. Yeah. They put codes on all Starbucks ones. I think mm-hmm. maybe they're changing that now after the Yeah, whole yeah. Starbucks situation. keeps getting themselves into trouble. Yeah, yeah um, the situation. I'm sure yeah, they call it there, What's so. funny, they keep getting themselves into trouble by just doing something. This I'm not trying to defend Starbucks here, but mm-hmm. it's funny. They keep getting into trouble by doing shit that everyone else is doing. That They're, they're basically just oh, swimming yeah. in the water, but... People notice because they're a massive corporation. Well, because they, and they have like a social justice, like right. Yeah, it's their brand. Well, too, they yeah. build themselves as a public space, which yeah. is part of the thing that's happened in the last forty years is that public spaces got privatized. We were told that we didn't need public spaces anymore because of you right. know the McDonald's play place, the Starbucks or whatever. We don't need parks. <laughs> they closed that McDonald's. Thing, right? yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, they did. But yeah, so. Uh, 
you know, part of this is the privatization of public spaces, but the part of it is that we've also like hardened the infrastructure of the city to being homeless, right? By closing public bathrooms, right? And creating like municipal camping bans. Yeah. Uh, trespass ordinances at There's, parks. Yeah, so there is still a public bathroom in Snohomish, Washington. So homeless people go, flock there. Go to Snohomish. <laughs> Seriously, see, yeah, if it's can, right, see if you can find it. Bu- uh, quaint old town downtown Snohomish. It's right on the river. Yeah, it's They're, beautiful. You know, well, the fewer really people who would actually like use a public bathroom, the more likely they probably have one. Yeah. Well, there's lots yeah, of actually yeah, open shit, like right? space uh, lo- lots along the river, old eat. industrial yeah. space, yeah, you, you know. Just fish in the So Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. River. Like in the bathroom, you. Why? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I ever heard the story about how the city of Amsterdam apparently everybody would just like piss and shit like everywhere just on the sidewalks, the alleys or whatever. They're also high. Yeah, marijuana. <laughs> no, it was but yeah, they uh, apparently the city in like the 90s had this grand revelation. They're like, oh, okay, people are pissing shit on the ground everywhere. What if... What do they need? We had bathrooms <laughs> that were free and just open all the time <laughs> in the public. Oh, but Brian, we would not be able to handle that. Yeah. As a- a- Apparently but, it worked there. So but this hang is some on. space age technology. They we just use them as orgy pods. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be too disruptive? Would society allow it? <laughs> but if we had those, people would do their heroin out of public view and and not on the sidewalk. And then who? Mm-hmm. How would you complain about it? It is ironic that the safe Seattle people complain that the homeless do their heroin in public view. And then if you ask, well, what if we had a public bathroom? They go, well, they just do heroin, and then it's like, well. I don't know what to do with this right now, but I don't think there's much the overlap in with that group and support yeah. for safe injection sites either. No, no. there's not. Um, so yeah, so you know we've criminalized a lot of this sort of behavior that's just like the behavior of being poor, right? Uh, famously in New York, right? It was like the sitting and drinking on the stoop, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which anybody's been in that awful fucking city in the summer uh, realizes is mandatory, and also know? is like all the yuppie spaces have, yeah. A million millennials drinking out of oh, of course, well, you know. paper bags—the equivalent of a paper bag, like a fancy koozie. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have like an artisanal malt liquor they got <laughs> from like down the road. Well, if you if you you know if you have a little um, velvet rope enclosing your little patio then furniture, um, mm-hmm. then you know you, you it implies that you paid for it um, and mm. didn't steal it. You well, know. so let's. Uh, flash forward a little bit so so we we go to our trial um we've decided that the state might have a slight advantage in presenting at trial uh i think we can also probably say that the jury through a lifetime of watching the dumbest television ever produced uh might have a leaning towards the prosecutor uh over the defense um so we get found guilty and now it's time to be sentenced, right? So we get found guilty. What, oh, let me rewind next? a little bit, though. Okay, okay. Um, also, another reason a lot of cases resolve through plea bargains is because prosecutors tend to give you what's called like a trial tax or a trial penalty, mm-hmm. where they'll add more charges um, if you go to trial, mm-hmm. if you have the nerve to exercise your constitutional right to go to trial. Yeah. That sounds like um, a fair distribution yeah. of justice. It's- so if you have like one charge that you're like plea bargaining with, it can turn mm-hmm. into like four charges. Yeah. They're going to try and throw the book at trial. you. Right. Trial. It's yeah. market incentives. It's totally. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So say my... So you're more screwed than you would have been if you had just 
yeah acquiesce to the system what the system was telling you to do or all all the way along mm-hmm. yeah um so in misdemeanors you there's something called a simple misdemeanor the maximum penalty is 90 days and a one thousand dollar fine. A gross misdemeanor. The maximum penalty is three sixty four days, one day under a year, which is actually like a, there's a okay history behind that. Mm. They um used to be a full year, and then for like immigration purposes, it was it's like way better to be sentenced to under a year than yeah. a full year. So then they just like went ahead and changed it, so like no one could get totally screwed. By I just, I just figured the positive history would be like somebody getting arrested on Christmas Day, and they're like <laughs> holding them, and they're like call. Oh, Oh, you know, if we release them at the regular sentence, they'll miss Christmas, and like they're like, ah, oh, let's release them today on like, Christmas Day or whatever. Everyone gets out of jail on Christmas. Yeah, exactly. That's the most dangerous day of the year. But but as they're leaving the jail, they throw them a nickel. And they're like, buy the biggest goose you can find. <laughs> Treat your son to a beautiful dinner. Um, so uh, so let's talk a little bit about so we get the let's talk about the sentencing matrix right that we talked about a little bit off air. Well, so yeah. judges have judges impose sentences. Um, both parties make a recommendation to the judge. Well, um, well this makes sense because judges are uh, a peer of yours, right? And that they, <laughs> they have a lot uh, of perspective. Yeah, and yeah, really a, a very diverse life experience usually. <laughs> yeah, um, you have one change of judge card that you can pull. Uh, but you have to do it before the judge has made any like real decisions. So this might you be basically a dumb question. have to like trust your attorney's advice on that. Is it an actual card? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is pretty fun. It really is. It's just a piece of paper called an affidavit of prejudice. Okay. Um, basically saying you think you can't have a fair trial in front of a certain judge. You don't have to give them any reason. But it's pretty satisfying to give one to a judge. D- is it then... Do they make a decision about whether or not you get a new judge? Or does you just, you just get a new judge? Um... You are supposed to just get a new judge, but some judges have, as you might be totally shocked to hear, have these <laughs> ego problems where um, if they if someone deigns to affidavit them, um, they could challenge it. Not ba- you, it's undisputed that you get to affidavit a judge, mm-hmm. but they c- could nitpick and say, "Well, I've made this decision, which I think is discretionary, so therefore you can't affidavit me." Mm-hmm. But that kind of comes across as like really desperate. Yeah, yeah. I am H O. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, as I understand from Law & Order SVU as well, that uh, there could be consequences to you, you know, maybe not the defense attorney, but at least the prosecutor if you were to do such a thing. Yeah, it's pretty rare the prosecutors do it. Um, They would probably only do it if a judge was like super reasonable They'd yeah, like, yeah oh my god we can't have this <laughs> well let's actually um, let's let's rewind a little too let's actually talk a little bit about uh we'll we'll get back to the the sentencing matrix but you just remind me of another thing thanks to law and order svu but dun dun <laughs> exactly uh the only do- good documentary about the legal system let's talk about jury selection real fast <laughs> the most I- awkward time of my life <laughs> <laughs> um so in jury select what happens in jury selection Jury selection, you, um, so there's something called a veneer. That's the whole pool. Um, well, first of all, winding back, they basically summon random people. Um, I think they probably get the information from voter registration and driver's license. I think that's probably. (laughs) (laughs) When only the most normal people show up, right? Well, in Washington State, there's no penalty for not showing up. So, like, I heard in New York, they, like, <laughs> hunt you down, and they're like, you missed juries. Like, you're <laughs> coming in handcuffs this time. Um, Wait, but so in- this is, like, 
this detective is the one Stabler thing that's not up. a crime. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's ignoring your civil civic duty is yeah, not a crime. It, which actually honestly Washington State makes sense. Um <laughs> but so they So you get the most normal people. You mostly get retirees. Um, oh, also they have a very keen sense of justice. I've it found. is true, and they're yeah. really, uh, really normal ideas about people who aren't exactly like them. Yeah, the, the older you get, the more open your mind gets. Usually, um, also there's a few of our notable Seattle area companies that pay full benefits when you're on jury duty, uh, which that also is not have my company. I'm really yeah. diverse reasonable people the boeing company um i'm sure like amazon microsoft uh all those basically any like fancy job you will get your salary um and school teachers in summer you get a lot of those who really want to not be there um (laughs) and i got a the last area i had it was totally jam-packed of like college kids which was horrible um what? <laughs> Which part? Because it was just summer. The elderly crowd was bad, but there even were eighteen-year-olds are way worse to be judged by a bunch of college kids. There were like a sea of them. I was yeah. just trying to ignore them because I didn't want to hear from them, and I realized I would have to talk to them because there yeah. were so many of them. Have you seen that video of the like Serbian guy at the Hague who just stands up and he like drinks, kills himself? And dies? Oh yeah, that, that would be me at the trial. <laughs> if you saw like a bunch of eighteen-year-olds who were oh, like, yeah. "Well, the second the jury came in, I would just stand up." Uh, probably yell something in Serbian and drink. Well, it is always <laughs> whenever they come in, I always just have a huge feeling of disappointment because you just like look around and you're like, "You people are all just going to convict my client." Oh yeah, that's and you're gonna even... feel really good. Also, another marker is when the jury comes back after they made their their decision, when they're all like kind of like smiling and giggling, you know they're gonna convict your guy because they're, they're there's nothing whoa, more satisfying. Thrilling. That is yeah. fucking dystopian. Sending a guy they get they also have like a really to the chair, a that's... great like camaraderie about the. Um, that they all did the like crime they today. did that is yeah. dystopian. That is like. Yeah. That but is... if they look uncomfortable, you might have a chance. Like if they're like, oh, I can't really? make shit. Oh. This guy didn't do it. I think that's fucked up. <laughs> 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 he didn't do it to the point that I literally cannot to, say. No, right? Because 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 then that it undermines like <laughs> your basic concept of the system, right? right. Because totally. when you walked in that courtroom, that's for sure. When you walked in that courtroom, you. Whether you it was conscious or not, your assumption was, well, we wouldn't be fucking be here if <laughs> yeah. this guy wasn't guilty. Like, yeah. where there's smoke, that's there's what fire. You usually try to start your Vaudier conversation about, um, it's like, who here, you know, is pretty sure he did something. Like, yeah, so yes, yeah. people stop talking about right. the assumption you, you, of innocence. Yeah, you. Everyone assumes that they're definitely guilty, and that this is like a game between <laughs> you and the prosecutor. <laughs> And that they have to like cleverly not fall for. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, they have to not I will fall say, for your crypto your defender wiles. Yeah. I will say that um, my office has done like for some reason we keep winning, which is not supposed <laughs> to happen. And the King County prosecutors have been like extremely bad at their job in at you least don't in like say. in like the misdemeanor level. We've had some like unreal victories and the jurors have been like awesome so there are there's hope out there um but for the most part they're old retired white folks or uh, boeing well, engineers who are well, super so this sort of theory about the you know the prosecutors being bad at their jobs or whatever <laughs> which i think maybe we had talked about at one point so we had both watched the the 
documentary about the guy whose wife maybe gets killed by a bird or something or beaten mm. to death on the stairs. The staircase. The staircase. Mm. We both watched the staircase and then my other personal favorite I'm documentary. definitely on the owl team for that one. Oh yeah. And I'm definitely on uh, at the same time the best documentary that year that came out which was the O.J. Simpson documentary. The OJ, the, which I, one? Uh, I, think I think it's called The People vs. O.J. Is that the, the one, one ESPN did. The one that's like an actual like seven part. I watched the other one. The like FX one. Yeah, not the show, but the actual documentary. But the documentary oh, okay, was right. really that good. Was not it shows like shots from the actual trial and stuff. And it shows how the defense like very easily like parried away the prosecutor's stuff. And the message from both those documentaries, I think, was to suggest that, oh man, the prosecutors really bungled these cases. But I have an alternative theory. <laughs> They're always that bad. It's just that easy to convict somebody in America well, that it's yeah. just so rare that somebody actually hires lawyers that can in any way put up a fight against It this. is really easy to convict someone. Um, also, their job is basically just like, they're like administrative assistants. Like they just make sure mm-hmm. that their officers like show up and have like the appropriate evidence in front of them. And then all the questions they ask are like, oh, then what happened? And then what happened? <laughs> yeah. And then what happened? Yeah. Like yeah. this is their like art of trial advocacy. And they always have the same voir dire, which is the jury selection. They yeah. have the same scenarios that they always ask. Um, they have the same opening and closing statements, which are always like, so-and-so made a choice. Yeah. They made a choice to say whatever crime they're saying they did. Um, so they're, it's very, uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty like lame job. And yeah. <laughs> despite the moral <laughs> consequences, it also just doesn't seem very like skill-based. Yeah, contrary to law and order, uh, it's not hard work. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'll never forget Marsha Clark complaining that when they dropped the bomb, of, where they have all the audio tapes of, uh, oh, what the fuck was his name? The fucking the racist cop. One. Yeah, the cop who found the glove. But they found the audio tapes of him, like. Furman? Yeah, yeah, Mark Furman. Yeah. Of him, like, saying the N word over and over again and talking about, like, oh, yeah, dude, I frame black people all the time. Like, Whoops. I'll just throw down a glove and pick it up and, like, say it was theirs. Like, <laughs> like literally just, like, laying out yeah. his, like, criminal history. And she's just like, I just don't know why the jury, like, even listened to this <laughs> stuff. And it's like. <laughs> <laughs> like, knowing full well this would come up if she put him on the stand, but, like, then being surprised that this was swaying to a jury that had, like, black people on well, it. Well, so she made that big mistake of allowing black yeah. people on her jury. Yeah, but, which she definitely says in the documentary in an interview uh, done two years ago. <laughs> so, oh, man. Um, but, anyways, <laughs> so we select this jury of our quote-unquote peers, uh, which is awful. Um so in the jury selection process, right, you get to ask them some questions, and you have additional cards that you get to hold and and put up in the air, right? If you to don't kick like them one. off, yeah, yeah. So that you can have a four cause challenge. You have an unlimited amount of four cause challenges, mm-hmm. meaning that they're not a fit juror because of a either like a prejudice or some kind of vocalized unfitness, or sometimes you just get people who are like. <laughs> like wackos <laughs> yeah, yeah. everyone agrees you're just like yeah we probably although mm-hmm. I feel like defense attorneys are sometimes like well maybe they would like swing it <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I like the unpredictable nature yeah, you're like well I have a bad case I might as well have like a complete weirdo yeah like who knows Um, but usually yeah there's four cause challenges and then each side gets to kick people off for no reason mm-hmm. called peremptory challenges but one of the cool things in washington is that we have this law called gr 37 general rule 37 um which basically was designed to prohibit um race-based use of these challenges 
Wait, um, hold on. But that wouldn't happen, though, because the prosecutor believes in justice and you need a jury of your peers. <laughs> well, in my last trial, um, we each had seven preemptory challenges. Mm-hmm. and You used them to exclude people based on race? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Um, no, but I raised, like, four of those challenges. And, mm-hmm. and you have to also understand that juries in King County are extremely white. So oh, to course, even yeah. have a person of color on your prospective jury is rare. Yeah. So when I have to use four of these challenges saying that the prosecutor kicked someone off as a basis of race, that means they kicked off four people of color. Yeah, yeah. Which is like all of them. The entire <laughs> jury pool. Right. Board so what, so but I won two of them, which is yeah. cool. So what's the like game theory when you're going in to sort of pick a jury? Like, so what, what, are you, what are you looking for? One of my favorite things that I know, um, and I always tell my clients, is that there have been studies. I don't know how they do these studies, but apparently there are studies where if you have like a really drawn out voir dire process, every side has all their fair challenges and stuff, or if you have a process where no one has any challenges, the rate of conviction is the same. So I like oh, okay. to know that it's basically just guessing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I usually try to get people talking about... Well, there's a few different methods. There's something called like an education method where you're like trying to teach people like the importance of the yeah. presumption of innocence, but people kind of discount that because it's like you can't yeah. really teach people anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, you know, human nature is a fact. Yeah, yeah. Fast forward to a month later when they're laughing as the verdicts read out right. and the jury was high fiving each <laughs> you other. Try to, you kind of yeah. try to like um, make them start thinking about these things that like they don't think about. One yeah. thing I saw an attorney do I thought was, I thought was awesome. They just picked a random person in the jury pool, and they're like, because you, you're for people by their numbers. So like, juror number 37, you stole my laptop. And the person's like, no, I didn't. And you're like, yes, you did. It was, we had a break for lunch. Everyone was leaving. You kind of lingered behind. I turned my back, and then I saw you just run out of here carrying my laptop. And I was like, juror number 37, stop, stop. That's my laptop. Don't steal it. And the guy's like, no, I, no, I didn't. But then you just kind of get someone thinking, like, so then <laughs> how do you prove you didn't do it? Like, all yeah. he can say is, like, I swear I didn't do it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, where's your witness? And he's like, I, I don't know. I just, like, went to lunch. <laughs> Who were you with? <laughs> uh, I was calling my up, wife. Oh, your wife is probably a really credible witness. Like, so yeah. I, I mean, you're probably going to alienate that person, but I thought it was, like, done super well because it mm. kind of got people thinking, like, when you're accused of a crime, like, there's not a lot you can do to, like, quote, yeah. prove your innocence, which is why we have a system where you, you're not supposed to have to prove your innocence. Although, yeah. Yeah, well, jurors expect... Yeah, it's that something did happen and that something didn't happen, right? Cause and if you're actually not involved... If, if, if something didn't happen. Like, if you yeah. were involved in, like, stealing my laptop, you could be like, oh, no, Brian stole it. I saw yeah. him do it. But if you yeah. just straight up, like, don't, don't know what happened and weren't involved, you're, like, utterly useless in your own defense. Mm-hmm. Besides, yeah. like, trying to get an alibi. But if you don't have an alibi, then... Or yeah. if it's, like, your wife, it's like, ha-ha... Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I so seldom have an alibi. Like, in terms of, like, hours out of the yeah. day, days out of the week. Well, especially in Seattle, where nobody has any friends or knows anybody or talks to anybody. Like, nobody has an That's alibi I mean, for yeah. anything. And, yeah. like, no one notices you. Like, you could be in, like, a restaurant and be like, I was here, right? And they're like, mm. That's yeah. exactly how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Wallflower. <laughs> um, but then you, yeah, you basically just, it's just totally random. And you try to get, like, yeah. a good sense of people. You also try to, like, make people, like, like you. Because it's the only time you get yeah. to, like, talk more casually to people. So you try to be not as, like, horrifying. Try to put on the charm. But, of course, in Seattle, so that only makes it worse. Yeah. And <laughs> then, like, I'm That's down. what alienates people. Yeah. Trying to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, like. I'm sure a ton of like sexism and everything oh, that sure. goes into it. And... 
You're saying that they might bring in some preconceived notions. Uh, so we've gotten past our jury. It's a perfect mix, a perfect blend of <laughs> the elderly and college students. And the rich. Yeah, and the, and the people, yeah, have nothing the better very, to do with time. Of course, they, we get the guilty verdict. They're high-fiving. Uh, Exchanging phone numbers for a reunion. Yeah. Literally, literally a thing that I've heard happen. Oh, what? I hate that so much. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, that's only when that's only when there's a conviction though. Although I have heard a, yeah. an interesting thing back before we got rid of the death penalty. Um, there were all these studies that like jurors got super close when they were like deliberating about a murder and then they were remained really close after they vote to convict, but that once if the prosecutor's asking for death, the like death penalty deliberation, even if they do vote for death, um, that cohesion's all ruined. Like, mm. they, like, don't have any kind of... Oh, they, like, don't want anything... Like, they finally realize how, like, dirty what they did was. Yeah, they, or like... Or maybe a, they don't realize it, but it's, like, doesn't seem as fun to go out to dinner with these... Yeah, now there's, like, a very real cause <laughs> attached to it. Well, I mean, it was kind of interesting watching, uh, again, the very good uh, Central Park 5 documentary <laughs> that was made by the idiot that does all the Civil War things, Kim Burns. <laughs> uh, actually, very good documentary about the Central Park 5. Don't watch... Great haircut, too. <laughs> but uh there's a juror in there who talks about that he was the lone holdout right for the guilty verdict mm-hmm. and that basically was just like badgered into it by the other jurors I mean, not guilty uh he, was, he, he was wanted to gu- vote not guilty yeah but, okay. uh the other jurors essentially just like after a certain amount of, i think he said it took like three days or something but they just badgered him into it, like look we gotta go or something like that and, <laughs> well that's and like so he eventually really voted guilty it. and it seemed like the other juries probably were hanging out he's just the oddball out but it is the interesting like social dynamics and the jurors well that's were, like the 12 angry men mm-hmm. it's like you oh really yeah you want the one because like yeah. it's so it takes like a yeah. really strong person, but I yeah, my, it may, it maybe yeah. I mean it reads real when he says that maybe this is revisionism on his part, but I mean his poor. I mean I, it doesn't look good on his part. So I don't know how it could be. I, you know if it is revisionism, it's poor choices on his part. But you know he's sitting there saying like, you know I just knew they weren't guilty, but you know I mean people just really were mad at me about it. And it, <laughs> like, I mean so I'm, I'm sure it is like an, like yeah, it's a very like bizarre um human experiment to mm-hmm. try to imagine what it would be like to have that kind of social pressure on you mm-hmm. um one of the jurors in this past trial i just got out of i thought he said something really interesting which was that basically he was ready to convict my guy of everything but that some of his fellow jurors who he had grown close with in the mm-hmm. pendency of the trial um had doubts and reasons to doubt and he was like well you're a reasonable person so that's a reasonable doubt and i was like hell yeah that's like a <laughs> It's really interesting way of thinking about it. It's <laughs> so, like a lot of stupid social dynamics happening. Yeah, no, for shit. sure. But it's like the, uh, the opposite. I feel like is more true, where that like you just yeah. get bulldozed into. So that's something you do think about during jury selection: is you want someone who's like not a follower. Yeah. You also, when they're like, when it's time to do like closing arguments and stuff, they're usually like the defense attorney will suggest having the jurors like come back the next day to begin deliberations because you really. Like, I just had this trial that wrapped up um, right before 4th of July weekend, and we were like, or I was like, no, the jurors are not going to deliberate the Thursday before, or the Wednesday before a four-day weekend, because everyone and their mom is going to be like, guilty, let's go. I'm going to yep. like... Yep. So I we had them come back on Monday, and they spent like a lot more time than I think they would have yeah. if they had been on the eve of a weekend. What's well, cool to have uh, uh, this like life altering decision uh, based <laughs> off of people's like desire Holiday to plans. eat an awful hot dog. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I, this is sort of uh, some of the problems with uh, jury selection too, and that and we live in a very carceral and punitive society too, right? So the idea of being the juror who holds out and says not guilty in say a major trial versus guilty, I mean, obviously like there's going to be a lot more social acceptance for saying guilty. Well, if you're wrong and you say guilty, I feel like that nobody's going to care. Well, but and if also you're the, wrong and you say not well, guilty, they will. And the right? reasons, right? Like they it would be really 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 hard to say not guilty because you think that the person did it but the state didn't prove their case, which is yeah. usually kind of where I'm at. Well, the the <laughs> treatment of there's this uh, older black woman older now obviously when they interview her in that OJ Simpson documentary who was a juror and the treatment of her when the documentary came out was uh let's just say bad maybe with uh some overtones of racism in it but in the whole argument was like oh you said not guilty but he like definitely did or whatever but her point was like the state didn't prove their case which is absolutely true you and know you, like and she as did a, what she was supposed to do right and, and as a juror it, yeah. when you hear like about a horrible crime happening to someone you should be mad if mm-hmm. the prosecutors and the police don't do their job. Oh, yeah. Like, you should be looking to them to be like, why did you not prove this for me? Like, you should want to hold someone yeah. accountable, I guess. I mean, you could want to if that's in your yeah. belief system. But, like, if they don't do their job, they can't ask you to do it for yeah. them. That's kind of yeah. like what I always try to impart to people. But it's pretty hard to convince people of it that. It goes yeah. back to the sort of assumptions that you enter the room with. Our society is essentially constructed on the notion of punishment like it's everything we do it is we Mm -hmm. that is everything so when you go in you assume oh well we wouldn't be here if this person wasn't guilty when you learn that you can only convict someone unanimously Mm -hmm. you 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 don't think oh well that must be the case to prevent us from convicting a lot of people you think oh so my job is to vote guilty yeah, yeah. you know because yeah. again uh that's the reason we're here you know so yeah. but that that's i mean that's like just our our, our very punitive conservative worldview mm-hmm. well and i also i think it's interesting back to the voir thing we're talking about a lot of prosecutors um do this whole bit about like children in their voir dire about like if you have two kids and there's a cookie missing and one of them has crumbs all over their face and all over their shirt, which one of them stole a cookie? And But it just goes back to that, like, our whole worldview is, like, someone did something wrong, is, like, lying about it, and I'm going to, like, yeah, punish right. them. And yeah. that, well, and that, by the way, that child death penalty. But I, I love it, too, because it also... Brian's is, figured it out. It's how you, um... It's the childish way that, like, particularly the conservative mindset treats its own adherence, right? Of, like, oh, you fucking dumb, wet brain little baby. Like, you're not going to understand this complicated thing that happened in real life. So let's talk about baby, like, children in cookie jars, right? Well, it's, like, so much easier to, like, get people chatting about these. Which which is their usual dumb thing, right? Even, like, when they talk about the budget, and they're like, oh, if you had a home budget, it's like, motherfucker, they say a home budget. (laughs) Like, I don't have nuclear weapons in my home budget. Yeah, you know, there's this other yeah. uh, concept at work where, and this I think goes to the sort of inherent looseness of interpretation that is mm. possible with our idiotic constitution. I think most people, if you ask them, would say, you know, maybe it's not conscious, but another assumption people enter with is that um, it's way worse to 
let someone who's guilty get away without punishment yeah. than it is yeah. to accidentally punish yeah. someone who wasn't guilty. But yeah. I always try to get someone in Vaudier to say it's better to, for a hundred men to go free than for hundred guilty men to go free than for one innocent man to be hanged. Yeah, whatever exactly. that's like. Because yeah. in the end, like, but and then, right, that, but I think. He, Really? You think? And you actually I get someone get who does? Really? Really? <laughs> that people, surprises me because I, I don't think I've like, ever fucking met. And then the prosecutor's like, "I'm kicking them off." Yeah, I think people <laughs> would like vocally state that, but I think there is like an entrenched part of their brain. Oh, for sure. And and also, I think too that like I think there are uh, people who maybe through their life experience have uh, a little bit more experience with the criminal justice system from the defendant side. Uh, yeah. Maybe believe that a little more than. Uh, uh, people who have no experience well, it, with it. It but, just goes to, I mean, you know, ultimately, if you're going to yeah. change criminal justice in the society, yeah. that is like a, a philosophical sort of cultural sure. battle. You're going to have to win because because people think like you have to punish these people mm. or something, or that's just a basic tenet of our society. And when the truth is, like, well, uh, maybe, well, maybe we'll run the, yeah, we'll run this binding and test what you think. There, there is this sort of uh, movement in criminal justice reform circles about trying to instruct people that like hey one you should go do jury duty but yes, two you should go do jury yeah. duty <laughs> and two when you go do it um that you shouldn't just consider guilt or innocence you should consider the actual like justice of the system itself oh and, are you talking about jury nullification yes yeah, so uh My favorite topic that i'm not allowed to talk about at work well, <laughs> in court well uh as, you know you don't have to talk about it as bleep but as comrade tanya <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, well, I'm not at work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on a boat. Well, no. As our uh, according you are to maritime law, yeah. you are allowed to talk about it. Well, and you, you are our retainer, or we have our. I don't know what how to talk legally. <laughs> don't tell my orthodontist, but I lost my retainer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So jury nullification. Maybe run that bias. Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah. Very so cool topic. it is, and that's actually one of the things. Um, we always kind of joke about like what community service like we should be doing as like public defenders and going into like civics classes, like high school civics classes and teaching them about jury nullification would probably be like the most <laughs> impactful thing. Um, oh, yeah. But basically what it means is that you are given all these instructions as jurors that you have to convict if the evidence is all there, you have to acquit if the evidence is not there, but you also are allowed to vote however the fuck you want and if you don't agree with the law you no one is going to make you convict someone um you might be that juror as you were talking about in the central park five case where you get bulldozed by mm -hmm. your conviction heavy friends but i mean a lot of cases especially like low level cases are taken to trial with the hopes that the jury will exercise jury nullification whether it's um conscious or not but like for example um, a large number of cases in Seattle Municipal Court, that hellhole court I talked about earlier, mm -hmm. um, involve like thefts from Goodwill. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So yeah. all the elements are going to be there. The state is going to prove Literal. that on or about this day, this person yeah. stole this good. But then, what the attorney is going to want you, the defense attorney is going to want you to think about is, should this be a crime, or yeah. what are we punishing here? Um, and like, and you're not allowed to argue the should this be a crime. You are not angle. absolutely not allowed Even to. If you're not talking about nullification directly, you can't argue. No, at all. you cannot. Can. And you also there's like these cases where people That's got bullshit. like arrested for pamphleting, giving pamphlets about jury nullification out on the courtroom steps. They were like arrested for that. So basically, we know it's a good idea because you get arrested. For yeah. Doing it. 
And uh, yeah, should... I mean, most probably like I'll go out on a limb and say most crimes that are prosecuted, yeah. um, like shouldn't be illegal. So especially like misdemeanors and yeah. property crimes, drug crimes. Well, I think yeah. uh, property I mean, crime. But also the the worse the <laughs> the worse the crime sounds, like the harder chance you're gonna have to have a fair trial. So oh yeah, that's yeah. another interesting like an important thing to always yeah. think about is like people are always um you know I'm a into reforming the criminal justice system, but just not for domestic violence or sex crimes. Yeah. Um, but you have to think about, like, those are the actual areas where the worst laws exist, the harshest punishments mm-hmm. exist, the least fair trials exist, is because those are the hardest areas for people to see um, or to, like, be brave enough to, like, acquit yeah. if the evidence isn't there because they're like, well, like, someone was harmed, which is, you know, completely a legit feeling to have, but you still have to hold those cases to an even higher standard, I'd argue, because it's so easy to get blinded yeah um, but a lot a lot of yeah there's this one case that i remember watching a trial for it was it's, the crime is unlawful unlawful bus conduct um which is <laughs> another one of those completely like, made eye contact with other passengers <laughs> well and then you know like on the metro bus they have those like stupid signs that are like no eating drinking gambling or music playing or like things like oh. that um but these are completely unequally applied and so that the attorney in that case um, was arguing or in closing or I guess maybe it was in their cross-examination of the bus driver but it was like have you ever called the police after a Seahawks game when there's like a drunken mm-hmm. belligerent white person on your bus no um, but in that case the prosecutor knew that her threat was during nullification and so she did this like absolutely stupid um, part of her voir dire where she was basically trying to get a jury full of people who would blindly follow the law so she was yeah. like what if there was a law that you thought was really stupid like for example what if there was a law that <laughs> this said, one right here <laughs> wow yeah like wow. it's against the law for me to hold a beer in my hand right now and then even if you didn't agree with the law but i proved that someone was holding yeah. a beer in their hand would you still be able to convict them say well, that how how if that I'm be curious awesome. about. She's like, say there's a law yeah. that says if you own another human being in bondage and they escape from you, <laughs> they have to be returned. Yeah. What would you do? Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, so, like, that, those are the jurors she wants. But luckily, with the, if this, this incident all, was like on videotape and the jury yeah. was like not guilty, so if this it must is have been during nullification. about the letter of the law, like, how does someone get away with that without skirting like rules about? not talking about jury nullification like seems even if you're arguing the other point how do you start sounds like you're talking about the subject of laws being stupid like how do you even get away how did she even get away with that well i guess because the other the other side of jury nullification is just how the system works is blindly following the law (laughs) yeah yeah like if you were to argue it seems like like if you brought it up like i mean how would they get you on talking about jury nullification other than you brought up that some (laughs) laws are stupid yeah i mean i guess the defense attorney could have been like if anyone like who here thinks that if the law is stupid it shouldn't they shouldn't convict someone for it um i think first of all they would definitely get like objected to even though it's not fair um but they would probably argue that like well the state has the burden to prove this case so they should have the right to ask about blah blah blah. um but also then you would just be giving like a dead giveaway about who the prosecutor should strike Mm -hmm. because you a lot of times as a defense attorney if you start seeing that someone is on your side stop talking you stop talking to them (laughs) pretend that they didn't say anything good and then try to hope the prosecutor didn't hear the good thing they said or if they're being too good and you know the prosecutor is going to kick them off you can use them to pollute the whole panel so you could be like why are you against prosecution or why yeah. do you think that this is unfair? Yeah. 
basically the only role I'm ever going to have on any of these. I have a strict theory, though. That's like that, what I would do if I was called for a jury duty. Yeah, no yeah. one's going to pick me to sit on the yeah. jurors. Well, so wait, like, well, what's the strategy we... for getting in? Um, so the... <laughs> How do, you, it's how do you slip through that crack? That be elderly that and white or I mean, 18-year-old and white in college? You can. I think it's pretty... I, I'm imagining it's pretty easy to tell when an attorney is trying to kick you off because they basically ask you, like, I hear you're saying this, but if a judge told you to change your mind, would you listen to the judge? And if you say yes, then they can't kick you off for cause. Um, so you basically have to, like, be agreeable to follow whatever law the judge says is the law. So that would force the prosecutor to use a strike on you. At, at, right, at, at least. Yeah. Um, but also just kind of like, either if you think you're not going to get on, you can try to pollute the whole panel by mm-hmm. talking about like a negative experience with an officer or just like trying to impart some wisdom on the panel. Um, but just trying to be like under the radar kind of and like giving people Look on bored. paper. <laughs> I mean, on paper that the prosecutor and the defense attorney would agree that they want like interested jurors who want to be there who are going to give a fair trial. So if you try to like embody that, but definitely don't be too um critical or else you're just going to get off. Like my I had a panel of, like 50 people and then everyone was like completely dead, but there's this one like hipster like critical type guy on it and he was the only person who was answering any of my questions about like why confirmation bias is dangerous for a police officer or like who would everyone kept saying that they thought that police officers had less bias when they were testifying and I was like who here thinks they might have more bias and he's like the only one and I'm like why and he's like isn't it their job to convict people I'm like yes <laughs> um so I just knew he was gonna get kicked off but then yeah, I just like yeah. used him because he was like a smart <laughs> so he threw him on the grenade you have yeah a uh jury pool of 50 people and only one of them has learned anything in his time on planet earth right and he i'm sure like is someone i probably disagree with like everything sure like he just was like slightly above the bar of brain dead that everyone else seemed to be although i think also people are really it's very unpredictable like you think you can kind of get a handle on someone by their very few answers but then who the fuck knows what they're actually thinking or what they're like so, but it's trying to uncover their biases. So I am, maybe uh, to change the subject a little, I'm curious about, like, um, actually, like, getting defense in Seattle. Like, is, what portion of people are getting public defense? In what situations? Like, why? Uh, for what level of crimes? Do actually, someone actually get a lawyer on their case? We want so, actual numbers. <laughs> um, everyone who's a, who's accused of a either a simple misdemeanor, gross misdemeanor, or a felony, like anything that could carry potential of jail time, is entitled to an attorney. Um, a vast majority of people have public defenders, which tells you a bit about the types of people who are getting arrested for crimes. Um, I think also King County has a very good inclusive public defense system where basically they just have like screeners who ask you some questions and then you get appointed a public defender you don't need to show like your tax returns or like your paycheck so like you could lie Mm -hmm. i mean you probably you know whatever whatever you think um there's also a kind of a sliding scale where some of my clients actually get charged for having a public defender it doesn't like go to me it goes to like our overarching office um like the department but i don't think that those debts are like collected i would i everyone i've asked like in the 
office doesn't think they are. So it's like yeah, optional to pay. <laughs> I mean, I would be so like weird that the prosecutor isn't interested in uh, pursuing those. <laughs> I things. know, right? That'd be like the most screwed up thing. Um, so a lot of people have public defenders, and then um, some people have private attorneys. Also, there's if you have um, a conflict in your case, which basically like if you're if a public defender's office has represented any of the witnesses or victims in your case then it has to go to a different office and there's only four in king county and if all of them have conflicts with your case then you get a conflict attorney which is a otherwise private attorney um that gets your case on a contract basis like they get a certain lump sum for each case they take uh and those are the, those people represent the vast majority of the remainder and then there's like some people who are well off and get yeah. private attorneys and those are mostly like dui charges domestic violence and sex charges mm-hmm. so um, it's pretty much so pretty much everyone is getting a lawyer even down to misdemeanors yeah you're entitled to one well, but i mean they're actually asking for them and um yeah them. i think in king county at least like i've never really seen there's like always a couple people who go what's called pro se um but that's always like a bad idea <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, there's always the saying you get in everything. Yeah, day, but yeah. Exactly. Um, let's go over the conviction or the uh, sentencing matrix real fast. Like, oh, okay. Too yeah. dystopian to not like go so, over. So, so we're convicted. We're getting sentenced. Tell us. I keep calling it the the sentencing matrix. That's not what it's called, but it's what it should be called. And I would, uh, if they do call it that, I want some money. So it's called the sentencing grid. So it's pretty Mine's similar. Better. Mine's better. Um, I think it was in 2007. I'm probably going to sound like really stupid when I'm wrong, but the um... <laughs> nobody's ever gotten a date wrong or anything yeah, on this show on this before. Show. <laughs> <laughs> the legislature um, decided to take a lot of the discretion away from the judges because there were a complete dis- disparate impact or like disparate sentences based on the same conduct. Which you know, theoretically, if you want a system that's fair people should be punished equally obviously or not obviously to them at that point i guess but that's never gonna happen mm-hmm. <laughs> so they failed when they created the sra sentencing reform act is what is called shorthand sra um, and that basically lists out every felony charge in washington state it assigns it a seriousness level um and it basically plots your sentence on a grid based on your prior <laughs> convictions and the type of charge so like certain i was talking about cars earlier so because we're so have our panties in a bunch about car thefts um if you have prior car thefts on your record they triple against your current one so mm-hmm. say that you have um two you have two felony car thefts on your record and you're pleading guilty to your third and you have no other criminal history if it wasn't a car case, you would be um, you would have two points, two felony points, mm-hmm. and so you would be on like the two level, which is on the lower end of your sentence. But because they triple against each other, you all of a sudden are at six, yeah, which puts you on in a, scale a much to nine is a much higher, <laughs> right? <you laughs> Pretty know. much close to the end. Yeah, um, yeah. felony sentences are they can be prison time or jail time, depending on if it's over a year. Over a year means it's prison time. Um, for a the lowest level felony, class C, you can go to prison for five years maximum, 10 years for class B, and life for mm-hmm. um, A. And in America, life is like life. 
Well, so Washington got rid of um, parole boards mm-hmm. because another thing that they did because they thought that it was super unfair the way that it was being implemented. But then it resulted in like yeah, more incarceration, yeah. right? And like no chance of rehabilitation. So wait, what do they have instead of parole boards? Um, they have determinate sentences. It used to be like all oh. the sentences were like indeterminate, and it was like up to the an arbitrary parole well, they board. Had the truth and sentencing movement in the '90s, which was the punitive mm. getting rid of parole well, boards. Right. Which, but Washington, being a liberal haven, did exactly the same thing Texas did, but under the guise um, of yeah, uh, with uh, different being rhetoric. Well, yeah, it sounds but, like with all the same results. But for like for yeah. sex crimes and yeah. uh, they they have indeterminate sentences still, and then you go before indeterminate sentencing review board. And that's actually where... So um, a parole board. Sort of. But it's, like, <laughs> special for, like, sex cases. Yeah, yeah. And that's where... <laughs> parole board SVU. Brian's yeah, you'll favorite never topic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> comes up where if they do yeah. um, end your sentence, then they can file what's called SVP petition, a sexually violent predator petition against you, mm-hmm. and get you civilly committed for an indefinite amount of time at McNeil Island, where the head doctor was found to not be a real doctor, and you yeah. have mandatory... Um, group therapy so, and it's just yeah like let's the, maybe let's <laughs> maybe hit this real fast uh, mcneil island is of course the chosen solution for homelessness in seattle uh it has this uh facility on it that happens to uh, just be waiting for a it's a answer waiting for a question as i recall <laughs> yeah, yeah um and so we're gonna fill the facility full of these homeless people but mcneil island already has residents right as we just guantanamo svu yeah. so the sex offenders that are on mcneil island have they just not served a prison sentence oh they're done with their prison sentence oh so they've gone through the punishment phase of their crime yet for some reason are it's still on re- a prison island it's more of a retirement island because it's all <laughs> a lot of really old people um yeah so basically if the state doesn't want you to get out after you're done with your sentence then they file an svp petition against you. I don't know a huge amount about this area of law. I've never practiced in it, but um, it seems pretty draconian to. Yeah. There's different. Also, so it's not very. You can say, like, you served your time, but we've decided we have additional time for you. Well, it's, there's also a whole civil commitment mm-hmm. system for non sex offenders. Um, mm-hmm. If you are found to pose a risk to yourself or others, you can get civilly committed for an mm-hmm. indefinite amount of time. You get a lawyer, but I um, mean, don't. you? I think you actually do get a trial. I've been threatening um, to have my mother committed for years. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real thing that can happen. Yep. But um, yeah, you it, the you can be civilly committed, and it's it's apparently illegal. Well, and so the people on this island are getting top notch care and uh, services. That's right? why it's on an island to make it really easy for services to come. Yeah. To them. So when the homeless go there, they will get top notch services, <laughs> and it will not be putting being put there to be forgotten about. Or to mingle with the yeah. residents. Of, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the homeless are going to be in the prison. <laughs> like, I think that's the one I thing. I know, but that's, that's like the fully... reason that they put the what they uh. call sexually violent predators on this island is so they like are removed from people. Yeah. But I guess that's because they don't count it, the homeless population as people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you, c- but... you can you know put multiple populations who need to be removed from society together i mean the more they can procreate yeah (laughs) we can also put like some you know identify marks on their clothes so you know which ones are which that way when you go on the island you know who to be afraid of or whatever coincidentally i used to go to a summer camp that was like a stone's throw from mcneil island (laughs) (laughs) ymca camp coleman shout out (laughs) Uh, hell yeah call out uh but you know funny fact that came out this week too that apparently jeffrey epstein like has a cabin named after him in like some summer camp in minnesota oh god <laughs> just a little very cool throw out maybe he'll I end up to that personally so i think like 
we should probably have you come back to talk more about <laughs> stuff because uh, we should probably wrap up. But uh, it's dinner time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you should, but you should definitely come back and talk about. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, this has been really uh, this educational fun. and depressing, yeah. but that's what we yeah. do here. Yeah, rarely do we present actual educational information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, uh, the only education you. is ask for a lawyer at every stage, mm-hmm. and always ask the police if it's voluntary. So if they're asking you to do anything, um, and then if they say it's it is voluntary, then you can say I politely decline. Well, you can and ask, you should, right? You can ask them too if they have. And don't like, let them a search. Volunteer. Stripe or whatever. A well. warrant signed by a judge uh, is an important thing. So on this note too, um, on uh, we've been talking about it for the last few episodes, but on August tenth at you know six p.m. at the Beer Authority on Lake City Way, uh, there actually it will be a fundraiser to raise money for immigrant legal defense through the group Racists. Uh, well, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, but, <laughs> so close uh, to the word it doesn't want to be, right? Exactly. It really makes me nervous. But uh, you know, people come by. There's going to be a silent auction. There's going to be uh, movie trivia, uh, bar trivia based off of movies, and a movie showing of I think Phantom of the Paradise. But Come by, donate call, donate money because uh, for some reason the federal government has made it extremely expensive to uh, try and counter uh, immigration cases. Uh, so you know, uh, as we talked about earlier, the difference between having a lawyer and being able to counter these things in court and not uh, is usually the difference between spending a lot of time in a concentration cell. camp. And yeah, it's super important for immigrants not, because. Yeah. Um, as I just said earlier, you're allowed, you're entitled to a lawyer for a very petty misdemeanor case, but somehow you're not entitled to a lawyer when your whole life is yeah. up to the <laughs> yeah a, a stupid immigration judge, which yeah. are very like poorly qualified, yeah. unfair well, scum of the earth. Seems judges. like that um, yeah. is a theme, um, uh, like yeah. in our criminal justice system, like. Well, Stupid judges, yeah. petty, um, <laughs> yeah. petty meathead yeah. cops, yeah. Uh, and unequal enforcement. In the case of yeah. the um, the the sentencing matrix, um, I'll bring it next time. I have a laminated one. Like, oh, we'll play bingo with it. Uh, legislators, American legislators, known for mm-hmm. their like you know clear headedness and even keeledness, mm-hmm. and not yeah. not at all like a class of people who are generally bang for fucking blood. Yeah. Well, and uh, <laughs> as much as we talked about how awful the criminal justice system is in King County and in this area. It's bad, folks. And as dystopian as some of the insane things that we learned about today are, uh, it pales in comparison to immigration court. Absolutely. Uh, where people are tried by the lot, like Absolutely. fucking farm animals, um, tried via television and Skype. Uh, it, with no representation and held and, in and concentration held in things camps. that are actually reminiscent of factory farms. Yeah. Uh, come to think of it, yeah. And uh, so you know, August tenth, six p.m. Bureau Authority Lake Seaway. Come by. You can. Uh, I think me and Greg will be there at least, so you can yeah. yell at us. Uh, and uh, oh wait, yeah. Are we? Is it safe to call a Seattle Sucks podcast a co-sponsor of that? Since we is, are clearly. offering up a. Something for the auction? Yes. The, for the auction, you can go on a three-hour tour with Greg and me on the boat. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Dang. Colin, too. Um, he'll have to gonna, ask. Wait. Is wait. it just a tour of your boat, or is it going to no, leave no. the dock? No, no, no. Well, on it Lake might leave the dock. We'll see how far we get. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of nooks and crannies. I could spend three hours. It'll be, it'll be me, 
Greg and Brian. Mm-hmm. Colin has to consult his attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you will be playing the role of Natalie attorney. Wood. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll um, be wearing we'll, full we'll in, tuxedos. I think we'll you know we'll invite some of our previous guests and uh-huh. we'll see who shows up and then you can you know in this auction you can buy uh you know two tickets to this two people yeah. will come on this Seattle Sucks inaugural Seattle Sucks cruise. Yeah. Yep. And there'll, uh, there'll be all things. the white claw yeah. you can drink. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, come by. It's a good cause. Give money. Um, if you aren't currently throwing Molotov cocktails at immigrant buses, Woo! you need to do something. So give money. Yeah, yeah. If you're or, not, not like if you're not like full of people. Was that? To the no, buses. not while the buses are full okay. of people. <laughs> no, no, when no, they're no, not no. full of people. <laughs> yes, that yeah. is when they're most vulnerable, when they're not full of people. Yeah. Just want to make sure you're giving when good advice. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> exactly. good legal advice. Thank you. <laughs> uh, listen, if that is your plan, you don't need legal advice, let's be honest, uh, because you're going to die. So, oh, God. Uh, there you go. That poor guy. Yeah, yeah that poor guy. And that by the way, very cool guy who that guy knew rules. what he was doing, I yeah, think. Yeah, did, I think no, he, he died knew. happy, according to his daughter or someone. Yeah. Hell, yeah, so that guy rules. Yeah. Not and he was tra- doing absolutely tragic, thing. his yeah. death, but I think he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And don't yeah. let anybody convince you that what he did was wrong. It was actually good, and yeah. it ruled. Also, notice and... he didn't actually kill anyone. Exactly. Hmm. Big difference notice, between uh, him well, and himself. He, law yeah, enforcement. he's yeah. apparently a quote-unquote terrorist for throw trying to blow up a uh, immigration a bus hum- that was empty <laughs> in an empty parking lot. But the people in the concentration camp inside running the, the guards totally yeah. cool. So yeah, whatever. and you know, cops. Yeah, the cops, cops that killed them. Also cops totally are terrorists, cool. folks. It's true. Yeah. So. Anyways, uh, for the people that did not scared off by that, comments come out <laughs> to the Beer Authority. August 10th, we'll be 6 o'clock. Uh, giving some training. Cool. Uh, yeah, so thank you again, Codename yes. Tanya. It's so awesome to have yeah, you. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. We really I haven't is... been on a boat recently. Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're invited on back. the Seattle Sucks cruise. Awesome. I don't have a date yet. But. Um, please <laughs> bring Judge Dredd. I assume you can... Can you get him? <laughs> Can you get the county? Well, okay. Anyway, we appreciate you being here. Um, and we appreciate what you do, I should say. Public yeah. defenders do a great service, um, and we need more of them. So uh, we have one patron that we need to celebrate as well before we before we go, and that is our good friend. Maybe our first friend, is it fair to say that? Greg? Yeah, it's our, old, our, first, our oldest our first friend, friend. Our first listener, maybe? Yeah, actually, I think Brian was our first listener. Well, uh, yeah, like an idiot. <laughs> uh, Bezos Town, thank you Woo! for Bezos um, Town. coming in at the devil's number 666. We appreciate that. I can only assume that's the market price of a Starbucks latte in hell or in Amazonia, <laughs> either one. But thank you so much. We appreciate it. Um, if you're not following Bezos Town on Twitter, you should you should do that now. I think it's just and at also, Bezos Town. Uh, Wild World News. Oh yeah, and Wild World News, results. which we will we'll link to those yeah. um, in the show notes. Cool. Dude. And uh, I yeah, we did run really long, but the freaks have been just cranking out the the presses. Brian has delivered another. He's he went to the mountain. He got another divine message from God, and I actually do spirit writing. <laughs> I just get a pencil and paper. I close yeah. my eyes. I put on a blindfold. Oh, well, you're like Reuben from yeah. Midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you you've yeah you found another profound truth, uh, which is titled Island Nightmares. Do you want to just really quickly give a teaser for that? Uh, Island Nightmares is about how. Um, 
communities and police uh, create laws specifically targeting the homeless for the purpose of physically removing them from spaces in order to get rid of them. And it covers how they did it in San Francisco in the 90s, Portland in the aughts, and Seattle today. Yeah. So Island Green is people. Yeah. And there you go. And uh, that definitely is at least related to what we talked about today. Yeah. So we'll put a link up to that. And... Um, yeah, thank the freaks. Shout out to the freaks out there. Shout out to the freaks. <laughs> Shout out to my freaks. <laughs> to my freak squad. Okay. Uh, so with that, I think I think that's it. All right. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.